Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Text Message. I'm Nate Langson. And I'm Ian Morris. Sorry for the gap over the last week. Lots of things happening in the world of Nate. Uh, Chiefly, uh, I was busy with work. And <laughs> That's I, a terrible excuse, but I mean, I do believe you. Yes, it's true, and it has been announced. I'm I'm going to be yes. head of European technology editorial at Bloomberg from uh, in Europe from January. That's quite the job title, Nate, isn't it? It's not bad. It's quite fitting. Um, the podcast will continue, and who knows, maybe additional pod K will appear in the future. Um, I generally keep these two things separate, but I thought it's worth noting that. Life has been, like the collection of sweets in my fridge right now, packed. (laughs) Anyway, let's get on with the news. Um, The first thing I wanted to talk about is something that I find most curious. Um, This is a report that came up on Business Insider uh, that O2 is in the, quote, well-advanced stages of looking at technologies to block ads, that's web ads, across its mobile network. Now, O2 has 25 million customers in the United Kingdom. So this is quite significant and plays into the larger trend of the war on ads, or at, la- uh, at least the uh, the ad blocking apocalypse. I've seen it called many things, including ad blockalypse, which is a, a horrendous term, but has been bandied around um, in general. So this Ian, seems quite an interesting move by a mobile network. I think, to put this into the bigger bigger picture, smartphones within the next three or four years are going to account for the overwhelming majority of web traffic, uh, at least in terms of uh, web pages and and what have you, and apps. They're going to account for most things. So a mobile network even considering getting involved in the potential blocking or intervening of ads at the network level is massively significant because this could become if all the networks get involved in this this could become the thing that differentiates mobile networks from each other from just being dumb pipes depending on who's got the better ads or the better ad blocking uh, technologies that could sway a customer possibly either way what would you reckon to this in um well it's they're not the first are they because EE's already tried this, or at least as, as there's been news reports saying that they're considering it. Uh, but for me, it amounts to basically little more than theft, really. The, these ads that they're talking about blocking are, are not really theirs to block. It's completely unreasonable for uh, you know an ad network to, uh, sorry, a mobile network to come in and and just say, oh no, these ads aren't good enough. They don't meet our quality guidelines. Uh, we're going to shut them down. I, I mean. I understand the impulse uh, to sort of protect their customers and to make sure that things look good on the network, but it's just not the way the internet works. It, I mean, again, it, it's it's like content blocking, but a thousand times worse. It, it it's quite it worries me in a lot of ways. I just think that when you're buying a service from someone, and be that phone calls or data, I expect that service to be sort of clean and un, 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 unfiddled with. You wouldn't tolerate them. Putting 
putting an ad in your voice calls, would you? You know, like you wouldn't say, oh, you know, there's going to be a break in your call now to pay. You know, let's let's just cut into your conversation. And I mean, that's exact reverse of what's going on here. But uh, again, let's be honest, though, mate, that could work. I mean, imagine the following ring, 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 ring. Hi, this is Nate. I can't get to the phone right now. Please leave a message. Hi, Nate. Please pick up food for the cat. The cat's starving. You haven't fed it in four days. Thanks. This ad brought to you by Friskies. <laughs> I mean, uh, Whiskers, two for one in Tesco. That's, uh, I, you know, you could say that if, if mobile networks wanted to be, uh, you know, reduce pricing and, and make it so that things were free, or, or maybe you could switch from some limited data to unlimited data, then perhaps, you know, they could opt to give you some advertising. But to take out the thing that, pays for pretty much the whole internet is i think it's completely immoral really and and unconscionable from a business perspective i I just think that what's going to end up happening is that these sites will say well okay so ian o2 customers just simply won't be able to visit our site and they'll have a a, a banner that says call your service provider because they're blocking our revenue stream and then and then basically it will become unworkable because the core volume of people trying to see you know, X site on on their phone and not being able to would just overwhelm EE and O2 and make it just completely unworkable from a financial perspective. They'll lose more than they'll gain. That's, if we take this story as an apple, that is the side of the apple within which a maggot has set up residence (laughs) for him and his family. Let's turn to the other side of the apple, the side of the apple that could sustain us in this uh, weird world in which survival is entirely based on fruit um the benefit that could come out of this is that ad companies will need to work with mobile networks to produce ads that are permitted across some hypothetical ad blocking firewall within a mobile networks infrastructure that could be a good thing for everyone here are a couple of reasons why reason the first ads are quite considerable in download size on some websites that causes uh, an increased load on the network which causes an increased load on the amount of data you need to download on your phone that costs you money having better ads smaller ads you know whether they're less intrusive or not could be a good thing for the networks and faster internet for the user and the industry does need and would benefit from moving to a more modern way of serving ads because there are good ads there are atrocious ads and this could be one way of getting everybody to really kind of take a bit of an industry reset on what a modern advertisement is and serving it towards the smartphone because right now a lot of ads even towards smartphones are basically just desktop ads scaled down in some way but a mobile phone has so much technology in it to personalize an ad and yes you know privacy concerns yes 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 but let's just assume that on the privacy side everything's fine this could sort of usher in a new era of advertisements now surely that's a good thing for the companies that rely on mobile advertising maybe um but i i also just don't think it should be part of the remit of a of a of a service provider to sort of lay down a law like that I think, uh, yes, it, it, you know, there definitely there needs to be changes in the ads industry because um, I and I know this from speaking to people who are tangentially involved in content, but not, you know, authors or anything like that that uh, help support sites from a technical point of view. 
Uh, and what those guys tell me is that ad networks are awful and they are horrible to deal with and they they do not understand optimization and they try and do things that really you wouldn't do if you were uh, you know if you were coding for the web as a you know someone who's just say working for a company uh, you would you just wouldn't do anything like that and they're, they're arcane and out of date but there are ad networks and there are ad networks and there are good ad networks and there are bad ones there are some types of ad networks a very bad what's called programmatic ad networks that that basically rely on volume and not quality it's the kind of they're, they're very very they cover a very wide range of areas but they're very shallow whereas there are then other types of premium advertisements you know and these aren't even generally done by networks a lot of these are done in-house by yeah um by by media salespeople, and they can be very very customized mm. and they can be and they're generally more valuable they're there are more higher cost adverts but they're also higher in returns to the advertiser and presumably harder to automatically block anyway because they don't necessarily come from a recognized ad network so you... well that doesn't generally matter um they don't have to come from an ad network to be blocked no. because part of the industry's problem is that ads are generally served in one of a number of very standard units either the square ones they're called mpus um the really tall thin ones you see on the side they're generally called skyscrapers and then the very thin very wide ones across the top and they're called leaderboards and generally you see these sites on lo- these types of adverts on most websites and they are often the easiest to produce because nobody has to negotiate a size no. the ones we're seeing more of now are the in content ads or the ones with customized sizes or customized ways of um of attracting a user's attention and, and that's where things get can get really awful because they can be so distracting they just make you want to block all ads and then you've done yourself a disservice but there are some that are more subtle or they are better ads and and i think that if an industry needs to have a kick up the ass it is the ad network industry and if everyone's moving to smartphones that requires a bit of a reset from the industry and frankly as long as somebody is doing something to better ad networks and better adverts themselves that's good for everyone that's good for the user that's good for the people who rely on adverts as a business model and you know we are moving into a completely mobile dominated web world so true you know i think this is good and and at the end of the day the most of the ad the mobile networks they are in future they're going to be just considered isps but does it not does it not worry you slightly that this is being forced on everyone like consumers haven't really asked for it like the, the networks might say that they have or suggest that their research says that um but that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, and publishers are going to be very concerned about the idea of them not even knowing what ads are being stripped out. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, it, it concerns me a lot uh, because I think that it's, there's a lot at stake. Uh, yes. It's not that the, you know, the internet isn't exactly free. It has to be paid for somehow. And that is, unfortunately, and no one likes it, buy ads. Yes, indeed. Well, these are in the testing stages. Um, you know, the um, there are. I think basically all the networks at the moment are, are considering this, and they have to look at it. O two is in some more advanced stages than than others, but I think this is something you can you can definitely see becoming a more mainstream conversation. So it's worth you worthy of you having an opinion on this now. Ian, what is your favourite hole? Oh, um, hmm, good question. Um, Thank you. I, I, I'm trying to think now. 
I did go into some nice uh, caves and potholing in Wales once. It was uh, I, I don't necessarily like confined spaces, but I did have a nice time. Let me just steer you back on track, because I thought you were going to talk about headphone sockets. Oh, well, I could have done that, but that would have been far too easy, wouldn't I? It would have. This is the rumour that Ian is speaking of, that the iPhone 7 is going to remove the headphone socket. Why, one wonders? Well, thinness. It's actually the tallest of all holes or objects, gaps on the current iPhone. It is taller than the lightning (laughs) port. It's taller than a speaker, than a screw, than everything. And that is a problem for Apple because there's only really so much thinner a phone can get before headphone sockets start becoming problematic. Yeah, except, I mean, I I do get that, but... I also would suggest that there's probably more to this, like, internally. Like, there, there is only a certain amount of space in a phone. And, and, and if you open up a mobile phone, it is the densely, most densely packed object you would ever see. I mean, there is no spare space in there, and that's with good reason. But if you look at an iPhone, and, and this is the rumour is that the iPhone will lose the headphone jacket, jack, um, there's, you know, you, you've got to put all those bits somewhere. The battery has to go in a certain place and then, the, you know, the, the, the circuitry has to go somewhere else and the screen has to go in a certain place. How how much thinner can any of this get with the current technology? And, okay, there may be new batteries coming which are thinner, but they're not here yet. It's all about consolidation. If you see this from a very a step-back perspective, all we have seen in the technology world over the last 15 years, and arguably further back still, is the mass consolidation of products and technologies inside the iPhone, the, the uh, inside the smartphone, rather. The smartphone is the supermassive black hole of the consumer electronics galaxy. It is sucking everything into the middle. Everything's getting consolidated. All the bits that used to form separate parts of a screen are all now formed together in, you know, touch panel with, L- with LCD display, with the graphics processor that's, you know, that's all embedded onto the chip. We've seen all kinds of of technologies blended together to to make phones thinner there is a way to go i think and and phones still can get thinner and the source of this rumor came from a japanese blog called uh called mako takara uh, yeah and this is by the way the only source for this rumor like anyone who's written about this story has got it from this source so there is no there's no double checking going on here this is a one source story it is this is a blog that's had some things right in the past but really this <laughs> we're only talking about this not because we think it's going to happen no. it is as you say a very uh, just one single rumor from one source at the moment but it's a good thing to talk about it's a fascinating talking point really so here's the thing here's the thing what ian morris do you think is my opinion because i'm quite a music snob what do you think is my opinion of apple getting rid of the headphone socket on the iphone i i think you'd say good riddance to the thing ah the reason i would say that you might be for it is that you could then transition to uh, a you know a, a, a your own choice of dac maybe or you know what you're getting out of lightning is digital there's no analog channels on that connection so anytime you use a pair of headphones with a lightning port that that those headphones have to have their own digital to analog converter built in now that moves the quality away from the iphone and into the thing that you know produces the sound so the headphones um now <laughs> it's only been done a handful of times hasn't it the lightning port headphones Philips have got a set uh, and i haven't heard them so i can't tell you whether they're good or bad um, but the idea, of course, is is a solid one. That said, it's going to be quite difficult to miniaturise that technology to the point which it's transparent to the end user. 
Um, so I would say there's potential there for you, but uh, you may disagree about your own thoughts. You obviously know me very well because you are completely right. I think this would be a great thing. This would be a really good thing. But, there and there is a, a large but here, it, even though I think it's a good thing, I, I don't want to see headphones with lightning adapters. As you say, what this does is allow for another small connector, which in general isn't a good thing because the more connections you have between an audio source and an audio output, the more chance there is for quality interference. But to have that as as a way of getting higher end audio is a good thing. That's great. I love that. There has also been a sort of, there's also a parallel rumour along this uh, as well, isn't there? And that's that they won't take the headphone jack away, but that they'll change the, sh- the, the shape of it and, and make it, uh, you know, a, a smaller uh, with a with a top cut off. Um, and I mean, that's an even, if you think about it logically, that's an even more ridiculous idea, because why would you do that when you could simply just use the lightning port and save a whole lot more space? Um, and also, if you were going to change the headphone jack but not remove it, then there is already a smaller standard for headphone jacks, isn't there, that you could just as easily go to? Yeah. Um, but the, the one, I don't know what size it is officially. It's 2.5 millimetres. Yeah. But that's not necessarily as good a solution as, as, as this. I think that we are in an adapter-rich world, and certainly I, I, would, I would definitely miss the simplicity of plugging a standard audio cable into it. I mean, this is a standard that's been around for over 50 years. It's yeah. not changed, and that's a good sign you know that's a sign that we are probably ready for an upgrade but there is something rather advantageous about having a port as versatile as lightning where you could plug in you know DACs new amps different types of headphone technology that could improve sound quality I mean that's that's a that's a good thing for for audio um the slightly annoying thing is that knowing Apple they'll charge 25 quid for an adapter which is in itself a problem I mean this happened with the very first iPhone it was recessed the the headphone port was recessed so you had to have either a headphone jack that was already small enough to fit into the recessed socket or you had to get an adapter and they cost a few quid that was incredibly annoying i think that the only way that apple could ever do this is if they put everything you need in the box and make sure that if you have to replace it it's dirt cheap now that isn't an apple way of doing things no. is it but the other thing um, the other side of this though mate is uh, is wireless you know, we are yeah. more and more people are using wireless headphones. Apple has introduced a, a standard so you can already get headphones that plug into the lightning connector. That does exist and has existed for a little while. But in the future, more and more things are going to be wireless and, and it makes sense to maybe start supporting that and having manufacturers think about it i just hope that quality is preserved as well as convenience because well it's, it's going to be very difficult to assure that really because what you're going to ask people to do is put i mean and, and this is just simply a matter of how it works you're going to have to put the dac in the headphones and you have to power that somehow and I'm, my understanding of the lightning port is that you're not allowed to draw power from it and I, now i might not be entirely 100 percent right on that but I, i'd love to hear from someone if they know but I believe the Apple standard is that you're not, um, and that that leaves some problems, doesn't it? I mean, how do you how do you sort of manage this whole process, and how do you give a DAC enough power to do a good job? Um, it's just it's a it's going to be very difficult to get it right, and for that reason, I don't think it's going to happen mm. yet. Uh, but what would you put the percentage chance at if you had to guess? I, I, I in the iPhone Seven. I'd 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 
put it very highly because Apple has a track record of getting rid of things that are really popular in order to very make true. things smaller. You know, they got rid of the floppy drive with the original iMac. Well, that, that wasn't really that popular. All right, well, they got, like, rid no of the, the thing. they got rid of the DVD drive on all Macs, MacBooks yep. now. You know, yep. they they went a few years ago. Massively popular with me, but they, perhaps no one else. They got rid of the of dual input and output audio sockets on the MacBook Pro. Well, that's a bad idea, which isn't was, it? Uh, that was ridiculous, and I still haven't forgiven them for that. There are lots of features Apple just takes away in order to make things thinner. So I think the likelihood of it happening eventually, I would say it's almost definite. It's the yeah, largest... Next year? That, um, next year, uh, yeah. For the I iPhone could, 7. I, I mean, this is the rumour, isn't it? The I, idea is that it will be next year. I could see it happening. And I could see Apple saying we're going to make Beats the default headphone in the box. And we've Ooh. changed the connection. So all Beats headphones now that Apple sells come with a lightning connector as standard. And that's going to become the new the new way of, of, of Apple upselling well, headphones. and if They're going to have to put a little bit of work into Beats first for that to be a palatable decision. But actually... It's not a stupid idea. Like, Apple headphones don't... No one loves them, do they? I mean, they're, they're, some of them are okay, but no, they're no, all, one, they're no all, one would ever say... They're all terrible. They're, yeah, they're but you've got to look at what people are using. I heard a girl the other day, I could hear all of the music, and um, and she had in-ear headphones that had rubber grommets. I don't know how all that much music was leaking out, but everyone in the train was looking at her like they'd, you know, would happily push her out of the door yes. at a moment. St- but... Uh, this is a fascinating idea. I, 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 then, no, I suppose that's the capacity Apple has to surprise people. I don't believe a word of it. I don't think it'll happen. Well, yes, anyway. Well, let us know what you think. Podcast at natelangson.com. Would you miss your audio hole? Well, the worst of the BBC's television channels, despite a quarter of a million people petitioning for it to remain on broadcast television, is going to move online only next year. This is, of course, BBC Three. Um, I did say worst. That is a subjective opinion. It's meant to be very good for the uh, the youth demographic, but I have never seen a programme on it that I ever want to see again. So I do not miss the uh, the broadcast but this is a very significant change um for bbc3 and and for television in general this is the first of the bbc's channel channels um that has moved from terrestrial broadcast to to online only and and the reason is that more people are watching it online than are watching it on broadcast anyway so it's not really going to be very difficult for the bbc to move its audience for bbc3 online but there was some discru- uh, some discussions to keep it as a terrestrially broadcast uh, uh, channel, but um, but the BBC Trust has said, no, it's going online and it's going to be on the BBC iPlayer and uh, that's that's going to happen. So, Ian, this is good, I believe. You know, regardless of our opinions, we're not the target demographic at all for BBC Three. Um, no. It doesn't affect us at all, but for the people that it is targeted at, it's very popular, does a lot of very, very good programming for that group. And um, this, this is, you know, this is, this is great. This is setting a new, a new, something of a new precedent, certainly in terms is. of massive broadcasters moving to online only. This is, this is great great news but you know what here's the problem right okay so i mean i agree the audience for that channel is online so that's good the difference and the problem is that when you have a tv channel you have a certain you you commit to a certain amount of hours on that tv channel and a certain amount of programming and and so bbc3 will have x amount of imports 
certain amount of you know original programming and then some repeats when you take a channel online which doesn't really get done very often because it's extremely hard you're not obligated are you to fulfill us you know you're not you're not going to necessarily have to have a certain amount of content now they may make a rule for that but i think what's just going to happen is um the channel the the you know the core audience of that channel is just going to die there's going to be no way for them to sort of keep putting money into online for bbc3 um well there is there are some there are a couple of things worth mentioning then at this point the one thing is that some of the longer form programming that goes on to bbc3 will get shown on bbc1 and bbc2 during certain peak slots for the audience that it's targeted towards well they do sort of already do that they do something called bbc3 on bbc one or something like that well, so you you'll occasionally see a bbc3 program crop up well that's going to carry on happening but the other thing that's that's worth noting here is that the reason for this is not entirely just because half the audience is already watching it on on online anyway the reason is that it wants to try and sell it's going to save them 50 million quid and what they're going to do with 30 of that 50 million quid is create new drama for BBC One. The other thing yeah, is is getting well, rid of Red Button, which is also I something the BBC who is cares? doing. Who <laughs> cares? That that I think has is overstayed its welcome by ten years. Red Button. I think um, there's got to be a better way of doing it. It's just such an expensive thing to run yeah. because it is it is another set of broadcast channels that you have to staff and you know and 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 build a technical infrastructure around and i i would say i would rather you kept bbc3 and got rid of all that and i I think actually you would probably save money doing that possibly Um, i mean the whole idea behind the red button is is i mean to put it another way rather it's it's second screen red button is second screen and people now just as easily be on on streaming on iplayer couldn't exactly it now is you have a second screen in your hand there is less need to have red button and this is again another cost saving thing in fact it's it's part of the 150 million pounds that that the bbc needs to save the the getting rid of red button is one of those bbc3 is another there are various other cuts as well but i'd rather we just didn't have to cut anything and we've kept funding our our crown jewel of achievement in this country properly i think while i agree with the general sentiment the bbc is a bit too big at the moment it is yes, a big but not, bloated not big, corporation but that's not the bit that needs to be trimmed it's the bit that manages it and the the people like i mean alan yentov's just stepped aside but people like him who used to you know draw a big salary and then turn up presenting programs and meddle in things like you know things like that need to stop and those are the things that you know they may not make a, a so much of a massive financial impact but they're uh, getting rid of management really is something I, I would be happier to see than to lose services well the other thing is that the bbc still has this weird iplayer loophole where you don't have to pay a license fee to watch catch-up programs which many people take advantage of now you know, yeah, and- I mean that that's going to be a problem in the future, I think, and and it will need to be legislated for. But mm. again, you've got you know paying for the BBC is a, is a contentious issue, and the license fee solves the problem somewhat by only requiring people who have TVs capable of receiving live broadcast to pay it. Mm. Uh, but increasingly, with things like you know iPlayer, that becomes less of an issue. And you know uh, how else do you pay for it? Taxation puts it in the hands of government and then it isn't as independent and that's a problem well on that note let us know what you think of uh, these changes and and specifically to to go back to the original story we we began this discussion with bbc3 moving online a problem for you a problem for your children a problem for your children's children podcast at natelangson.com that's going to do it for this week 
Ian and I are going to do our very level best to continue putting out some sort of programming over the Christmas and Hanukkah and Winterval, or whatever you want to call it, period, the end of December, it's usually known, and into the new year. We're going to try and do a couple of specials. We're going to try and maybe get in a couple of smaller new shows, but it's a busy agenda, and we have families. And uh, hopefully you will maybe use the time that you were spending listening to the show going on iTunes and leaving us a really positive review to make sure people don't abandon us in the new year like some sort of uh, orphan at Christmas booted out on Boxing Day uh, given an orange to survive the cold we'll see you in a week all being well <laughs>